0: Good morning, Upward. So good to see y'all. Good morning. Glad you're here. I'm glad I'm here. Glad to be home. It's so good to be back with y'all. Didn't they do a wonderful job while I was gone? Pastor Greg, Matt, what a wonderful job. You know how fast Greg preaches, right? (laughs) Hannah is glad that I'm back. When she interprets for Greg, she doesn't have to go to the gym that week. (laughs) Uh, We've missed you guys so much It's been a joy to uh, be able to travel We did a a two-week trip on a train through the Swiss and Austrian Alps And it was so, so beautiful Also, you may not know this, but that trip was your gift to us For 25 years of service here at Upward Christian Fellowship So the uh, church leadership gave us that trip And they said, go and travel, and had a good time, and we did. Thanks for letting us be gone. Thanks for providing that trip for us. We appreciate it so very much. But we are glad to be home. And again, thankful for the great staff and leadership here who I came back, and the church is running wide open. You guys didn't miss a beat while we were gone, so thank you for being that kind of church. Originally, I was going to come back and and do a three-week series on rest And we were going to talk about the Sabbath and then talk about physical rest and spiritual rest. And we're still going to do that series. It's very important. But I got a word while I was gone. I I heard from God. And I got a word in my heart and in my spirit. And I'm going to unpack that for you over the next four weeks. Yeah, it's that kind of word. Over the next four weeks, I want to unpack what God said to me in Switzerland. Alexa and I were there. We were in this beautiful little town called St. Moritz. And it is the most beautiful and expensive little town you've ever been to in your life. Uh, They have a beautiful lake in the middle of the town. And all we could afford to do was walk around the lake, basically. Have you ever walked by a store and just looked in and said, I ain't got no business going in there. I ain't got enough money to go in there. You ever been in a store where the people at the door kind of look at you like, yeah, you can't afford what's in here. You ever been to a buy a store like that? Yeah, you can't afford what's in here. Uh, uh, beautiful city, but a whole lot of stores like that. And uh, But there was this beautiful lake right in the middle of town or at the bottom of the hill. And I mean, idyllic scene, and there's a walking trail around it. There were swans in the lake. I mean, it's almost like somebody made all this up, you know. I'm beginning to think it's Disney World, and that swan's a robot, you know. That's how perfect everything is. And we're just walking around this lake, and it was an interesting time. I hope you'll let me testify and preach to you today. It was an interesting time for us because I turned 55 there, so I'm the big double nickel now. It's here. I'm 55, and I just turned 40 like a couple of years ago. I don't know how it happened, but... 15 years has gone away really quickly, and you start thinking, 55, wow, 55, less than five years, I'm going to be 60, and I cannot imagine that because I'm still just a kid, you know, (laughs) you know. (laughs) Anyway, big birthday, and I'm thinking, wow, this is a big birthday, and I start praying this prayer walking around the lake. I said, God, what do you want me to do with the rest of my life? Now now that may sound strange because I know what I want to do the rest of my life. I, I want to stay here and pastor you for at least fifteen more years. I think I can make it till I'm seventy. All right, y'all gonna put up with me till I'm seventy, you think? Okay? Board members write that down. They said yes till I'm seventy. All right. I I want to have 15 more years here at least pastoring. At some point, we'll figure out uh, who's going to come in and lead after me. But uh, if Jesus, Jesus may come back before then and just take us home, which would be fine with me. But uh, anyway, 15 years left, and I'm just saying, Jesus, what do you want me to do and us to do together for the next 15 years? The other thing that was kind of working on me, and I hope this doesn't sound like bragging, but it's just where it is. Upward, we're growing so much, and we've seen God do so many things by his grace and mercy in us and through us that, uh, I mean, we've grown. uh, Greg was telling me this week, uh, just in the last year, we've had 300 people begin attending here, 300 more people attending here, and that's a good-sized church that just jumped in with us over the last year. We've been able to do community outreach, which is really what it's all about. We've been able to touch our community in all kinds of incredible ways. And uh, let me just say it this way. One of the reasons I was praying this prayer is because I'm totally in over my head. The church has grown beyond my wildest dreams. I really thought that Upward would be kind of where it is today when I was like 65 and ready to retire. And God and you guys have gone beyond my wildest dreams. I'm like, okay, Lord, I got 15 years left. What do you want to do now? It's like a whole season of new dreams and new things. I just want to illustrate it for you. I've got a rock here, and I'm not going to throw it at you this morning. I mean, unless you need it, I'll keep it up here. But uh, about 20 years ago, I went to a pastor's conference in uh, Phoenix, Arizona, at Phoenix First Assembly with Pastor Tommy Barnett. And they have this uh, beautiful hillside behind the church. I mean, there's cactus there, and it's a beautiful desert Phoenix type of thing. And they call it their prayer mountain or something like that. And at one session of the conference, Pastor Tommy was challenging us to dream big, big dreams for our churches when we went home. And he said, I want you to go out and take this piece of paper, and I want you to go up on the prayer mountain and dream the biggest dream you can possibly dream for your church and write it down. So I went up on top of the mountain, and I took my prayer card, and I still have it to this day. And my dream was this. I said, one day our church is going to have 500 people in it. And I picked up this rock, and I kept it. This, I guess I stole this rock from the prayer mountain. I don't need to, if I go put it back, but... Uh, I've kept this rock for 20 years. It's sat in my office remembering the dream of 500 people. Now, let me say my uh, understanding of God's dreams for his church has matured over that time. And I've realized that it's not about how many people you pack into a building. It's about how many people you get out on the street serving Jesus. I understand that now, but that was my dream back then. And today we're about three times that size and about three times that influence. So all that to say, I don't mean this bragging. I'm bragging on God and bragging on all of us and, and our faithfulness and certainly his faithfulness. But, man, I've already seen my wildest dreams come true, and i got 15 years left. That's exciting and scary at the same time. So I'm walking around this lake, and it's this beautiful scene. And I'm praying, saying, God, what do you want us to do over the next 15 years? What do I do with the rest of my life? What is this season mean? look like because it feels exciting and unknown and I don't know if you've ever done this but I've been praying and right in the middle of my prayer at times I'll start worrying do you ever get to listing out all the things you're praying about and your prayer list gets kind of long and then the enemy kind of gets in there and starts stressing you out about the things you're praying about Only me then, right? Only me? Am I preaching to anybody today? I'm down the list of things, and I'm thinking things like this. Okay, this season's going to be different. I'm going to have to change. I'm going to have to start doing some things that I'm not doing, and I'm going to have to quit doing some things that I am doing. I'm going to have to have some different mindsets. We're we're probably going to have to maybe add another service to accommodate all the people. We're going to have to add some staff. We're going to have to do new things. It's going to take a lot of money to do it. How about this dream that I've got that's going on that kind of seems to be on hold. It doesn't seem to be moving like I want it to move. And I'm just walking around the lake and I'm stressing trying to figure out how it's all going to work out. Have your prayer meetings ever turned into stressed-out meetings? Anybody other than me, you start out praying and you wind up worrying, and you know and I know that's not the way it's supposed to work. I'm supposed to cast my cares on the Lord when I pray, but I'm walking around the lake and I'm stressing. When all of a sudden I heard a, what the Bible describes as a still, small voice in my heart, And it was the voice of my Heavenly Father speaking to me. And He spoke to me and interrupted my worry session right at that moment. And He gave me a word that I'm going to unpack for you over the next four weeks. And I wrote it down exactly as the Holy Spirit spoke it to my heart. Here's what He said. He said, Son, I have every detail of the rest of your life carefully planned out. All you have to do is follow me oh folks when my father said that to me every bit of worry just evaporated off of me and I was able to continue to walk around that lake and thank God that he had all of this in his hands that he had it all figured out all planned out all worked out that he was already ahead of me in my life, working out everything that I was worried about, and that my job was very, very simple. All I have to do is follow him. I realized also as I was praying that this was not just a special promise to me, but that this was an invitation to us And really to anyone who desires to walk in this kind of a relationship with God. This is as true for you as it is for me today. That God has every detail of the rest of your life worked out very carefully. In depth. In the details. And you and I have a very simple job. Follow Him. When I heard those words follow me I said I'm going to be okay I'm terrible with directions Anybody terrible with directions? I tell you where I'm especially terrible When people tell me things I don't learn through my ears I learn through my eyes Anybody like me? I learn nothing through my ears You can tell me something And I can stand there and do this And not hear a word But if I see it, I get it. I can pull up years before GPS. My brother-in-law, Jimmy, pulled up to a traffic light sometime, and he rolled down the window and said, Can you tell me how to get here? And the guy said, Go to the third light, make a right, then go to the stop sign, make a left. You're going to go by a White House, turn right, go a mile down the road. And Jimmy listened and drove right there. I'm like, Jimmy, I was lost at light number two. You ever go to the big home improvement stores and you ask where something is? I get lost in Lowe's and Home Depot. And whichever one you work at, I get lost there too. I love it when customer service is so good that they don't point, they take you there. Because that's exactly what I need. I just need somebody to walk that way and say, stay behind me and you'll get there. That's exactly what I heard in Switzerland. Stay in step with me and you'll get there. That's a word for somebody today. You need to stop trying to figure it out and just follow. You definitely need to stop fretting and just follow. If you follow Jesus, you're going to get there. Worrying about the details will keep you from your destination trying to figure it all out and strategize it all out. I know the world says we're supposed to have a five-year strategic plan. I don't have one. Pre-pandemic, I had a five-year strategic plan. When that hit, everybody's strategic plans were done. And you know what we did? We followed Jesus, and look at what he did in us as we just followed him. Stop figuring, stop fretting, and start following. I I decided to figure out how many times Jesus said, follow me. And I found out just in four biographies of Jesus, the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which are biographies of Jesus, just in those, he said, follow me, 22 times. Exactly that. He would come up to people and just say, follow me. And they would do it. Mark chapter 1, verse 16 and 18 is the text for us today. It says this of Jesus. It says, As he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. This is Simon, who would later be called Peter, and his brother Andrew. They were doing what they'd always done. They were doing what they identified as their role in life. It's a very clear picture here. They were fishing because they were fishermen. It very clearly says this, Simon, Peter, and his brother Andrew. He saw them doing this. Then Jesus said to them, follow me. I want you to see the picture here. He came upon them when they were doing what they had always done, and he called them to do something they had never done. And he actually called them to lay down what they were doing to follow him in a higher calling than they had ever dreamed possible. The only way they saw themselves was as fishermen. Oh, I'm going to preach and prophesy today. I hope you're ready for this. You will work out of the identity you give yourself. You will let a man-made identity be placed upon you or you will receive it upon yourself and you will work out of that and become Whatever that identity is. And Jesus comes and says, that is not you. Instead, I've called you to leave behind what's comfortable and familiar. And I've called you to embark upon a grand adventure with me. All I've called you to do is follow me. And I have a new identity for you. Jesus said this. He said, follow me and I'll make you become fishers of men. I'll make you, you're going to continue to fish, but you're going to fish for something higher than fish. It's not going to be about making a living, it's going to be about imparting life. Oh, that was good, and I didn't even write it down. Some of you sitting in this building today, God's moving you from career to calling. Are you going to receive that today? this means yes. If God's doing it, get it. He's moving you out of just having a career. And he wants you to see what you do as a calling. And the calling is not to walk in anything that's been predestined for you or laid out by man. The calling is simply to follow after him. Powerful verse, verse 18. Said they immediately left their nets and followed him. I'm going to say some really straightforward things today, and I hope you can receive it. You might get mad today, but I'd rather go to church and get mad than go to church and be unmoved. Amen. I'd rather you be mad at me than just not affected. It says they left their nets and followed him. This series is about discipleship, and we're going to say some straightforward things, and here's the first one. If you want to follow Jesus, you've got to leave some saints behind. If you want to follow Jesus, there's some things you're going to have to lay down and leave behind. Because some things won't make it through Jesus' checkpoint. I've been on more airplanes and trains and buses the last two weeks of my life than I've been in my life. I'm just really happy not to have had a ticket to get in somewhere. When I got home, I was so glad to put my passport away and not have to deal with it anymore. We've had tickets, we've had schedules. One of the things we've had to go through a million times, not a million, but it felt like a million, was airplane security. And we had to go through that, take off your shoes, take off your belt, and and it always changes. You don't have to take your liquids out here, but you do there. You don't have to take your laptop out here. Shoes on, shoes off. So every time you go, you got to go through the whole, what do y'all want? I had to go through twice to get back in the United States I had more trouble getting home than I did getting into Europe I'm like hey I'm home we got to check you over I must have looked suspicious but I'm going to tell you there's some things that just won't make it through to the plane and I'm really glad of that when you're called to follow Jesus there's some things you just got to leave behind and can I tell you this Some of the stuff you're holding on to is actually detaining you from your destiny and your potential in Jesus Christ. And God just says, lay it down and follow me. I'm going to say this to you today, and I don't need your amens. I need you to receive this. God is calling us it Upward into a new place in him. And there's some stuff in our lives we're just going to have to leave behind to follow him with our whole hearts. That's discipleship. Now, I want to say some good things about discipleship, but some of these are truths that are not talked about a lot in our culture today, and I may, I may offend somebody today. My desire is not to be offensive. My, my desire is to speak truth in love. I want to tell you this. Following Jesus moves us towards simplicity because there are some things that are simple that we overcomplicate in our world today. I've got a problem, and you may have it too. Here's my problem that I have to keep giving to Jesus. You ready? I'm confessing. I need you to like me. I need people to like me. I want to be liked. I hate letting people down. I hate saying no. Because feeling like I disappointed somebody is one of the worst feelings I can have. So people ask me, can you do this? And I'm like, sure. Then I tell this one, sure. Then all of a sudden, I've said yes 20 times. And I look at my calendar and think, oh, what have I done? Because I need people to like me. Any fellow travelers in that journey today that would say, I hate disappointing people. I need people to like me. My wife, she's okay if you don't like her. (laughs) She's all right. She will go happily along her way and not worry about what you think. My daughter is like me. She wants to please everybody and keep everybody happy. My son's like his mama. You see him walking around here today? He's really sweet, but he doesn't care if you like him. But can I tell you, my need to be liked by everybody really complicates my life. I'll sit in my office and try to ponder over a decision, and I know I have to tick somebody off. You ever been in a situation like that? you got to make a decision, and you don't have a choice but to tick somebody off. So I'm trying to figure out, how can I make this decision in order to tick off the least number of people possible? And I'll be weighing it all out and getting stressed inside, thinking about who, when the truth, the simple truth is this. I only have to make one person happy. And if I make him happy, everybody else can just deal with it. Do you see how following Jesus makes life so much simpler going forward in decisions i don't have to worry about what you think and you think and you think and i think and the other one thinks it's so simple all i have to do is know what he thinks and what he's doing and follow him and die to my need to be liked by people That's a net that I have to leave behind. I hope this is helping you. It's sure therapeutic for me. You ever been to church and the sermon was directed back at the preacher? This is one. Follow him and leave that net behind. We make things so complicated in our culture today that aren't complicated. Now you ready? I could tick people off with this and I understand this, but I mean it in love. I don't think I'm right about everything, and if you disagree with me on this and struggle with this, I love you anyway, and I'll serve you and do anything in the world I can for you. But I will also tell you the truth. Gender identity is so complicated in our culture today, but it's not complicated. It's not complicated at all. The Bible says, and we are Christians and we believe the Bible, the Bible says male and female created he them. And that's it. (laughs) Don't get all too excited. I get it. I want you to be excited, but I don't want you to be like, we're right and everybody's wrong. Praise God, he's finally going to tick them off. No, don't get that. Get a compassionate courage. You with me? Things are so crazy in our world today, and people really struggle with this, and that's a legitimate struggle. And if somebody's struggling with that, if you are struggling with that, we love you this morning. And as Christians, we're called to walk with people through their struggles and help them through their struggles and serve them and love them, not cast them aside, not reject them. But I can't help somebody if I'm afraid of offending them. I can't help a person's confusion by jumping into confusion with them. My daughter was in a medical clinic, and I'm just going to dig in here today and make everybody mad, I guess, but uh, probably not. She was in a medical clinic the other day, and to get in, she had to fill out a questionnaire right here in Henderson County. And the questionnaire asked her, what gender were you assigned at birth? Now, I was there when she was born. I was there. I know what happened. Daniela was, uh, she's a bit stubborn, and she was stubborn during her ultrasound. She wouldn't show us who she was. We tried to figure out who she was, but we didn't know. So we had the not-too-common occurrence with Daniela of not knowing what she was when she was born. the first words she ever heard out of my mouth was, it's a girl. The first thing that little girl ever heard her daddy say when she came out was, it's a girl. That question really bothered me because I was there. The doctor, I knew the doctor well, Christian doctor still is. We didn't stand back and debate about it, and say, oh, arbitrarily, what are we going to give her? we saw what God gave her and we wrote that down see maybe I'm a strange person but back in 1968 when I was born that's how that worked back in 1968 there were only two genders fast forward today 55 years later 2023 and there are still only two that's it let me just dig, dig in. You don't get to choose your gender. No matter what you do, you can't change it. You can't. If you're struggling with that, the answer is not to struggle and make your gender identity the defining thing of your whole life. The choice you have to make is to lay that struggle at the feet of Jesus and follow Him. And if you will lay that at the feet of Jesus and not let that be the idol that determines everything about your life, if you will follow Jesus, He will show you who you are. That won't happen overnight. Follow me is not an event, it's a journey. Now, I'm going to say this and move on, and I got two minutes left, and I'm nowhere near finished. Christians, for a long time, have been nice, and we've also been quiet. We're going to keep being nice, but we're not going to keep being quiet. We're going to keep being like Jesus and we're going to have a compassionate courage in our world that loves people but is willing to stand up for what we know to be true. Amen. Unafraid, loving at the same time. Amen. I'm going to tell you what's coming. We're going to have to be willing not to go along with some things. And I'm simply going to say... I know who I am I know what I believe and I'm not going to let the pressure of a culture redefine how I see the world I'm going to let Jesus do that Amen following Him simplifies things now The second thing I'm going to say with 44 seconds left. Following Jesus is about self-denial, not self-discovery. The key word in our culture today is self-discovery. Jesus said, if anyone wants to follow me, Let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. It's not popular, but it's true. Following Jesus means I have to say no to this guy a lot. Y'all going to let me preach this morning? Will y'all be really nice to the people in the parking lot this morning when they're coming in? Because I'm over Following Jesus means I say no to me and yes to Him. That means I don't do everything I want to do. I do what He calls me to do. You do whatever you want to do, you're going to lose your career, you're going to lose your health, you're going to lose your marriage, you're going to lose anything you love, you're going to lose if you do what your body tells you to do. If you let your urges determine your actions... Your life's going to go downhill. That's for every one of us, whatever our struggle is. There's some terrible advice out there. There's some terrible advice you've probably shaken your head in agreement with, and I probably has too. Here's the worst advice the world gives you today: Follow your heart. <laughs> I've done that before. It didn't work out so well. I followed my heart into some trouble. And my heart was saying, go, 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 go. My heart was all wrapped up in it, and boy, it got me in trouble. The Bible said without Christ, our heart is wicked. Our heart is deceitful. Our heart is twisted without Jesus. And if you follow it, it will be to your detriment. Jesus never says, follow your heart. He says, follow me. I've found, as I've studied this and prayed over it, that the key to so many things we struggle with is follow Christ. Leave the net, whatever it is, and follow after him. Ever, anybody ever struggle with addiction? Come on now. Anybody ever struggle with addiction? I know what you're thinking. I've never been on drugs. Yeah, I've been on Coke zero. That could be a confession. Anybody ever struggle with addictive things? All of us. Can I tell you something straightforward yet true? Many times things are still in my life because I don't want to let go of them. Many times we hang on to addictions because we're really not ready to let it go. Jesus is calling you to something greater this morning. He's calling you to forsake that net that was in your life and follow him. And one of the foundational keys to getting over an addiction is to be willing to lay it down. And if you are willing to lay it there and follow Him, you will be free. You know what you do with an addiction? You hang it on the cross. And let me just tell you something. Crucifixion is never fun. It usually takes a long time. And when you hang that desire on the cross, it will scream at you it will say take me down but here's the good news if you leave it on the cross it will die I said if you leave it on the cross it will die lay it down and follow him people ask me sometimes they say our marriage is drifting you ever been in a situation in your marriage where you felt like you were kind of drifting apart you were going different directions you ever been married Okay, then you've done that. (laughs) I've said this to many couples. The solution is not for y'all to figure this out. The solution is for you, husband, follow Jesus. For you, wife, follow Jesus. And if you both follow him with all your hearts, he will bring your path back together the key is to stop figuring stop fretting and start following say preacher this is elementary stuff sometimes you got to go back to what's elementary Peter first words Jesus spoke to him was follow me he left his nets and followed Jesus you know Peter messed up big time when Jesus was being crucified before this Peter denied Jesus three times, basically resigned as a disciple three times, walked away from Jesus three times, and it was very, very serious. We don't just gloss over that. He quit. He turned his back on Jesus, and that's a serious thing. He went out and wept bitterly. Some days later, Jesus has risen from the dead. Peter and his disciples. You remember they resigned being fishermen to follow Jesus? Guess what? When Jesus died, they went right back to being fishermen. You ever turn back to some things God said let go of? They went fishing and didn't catch anything because they fished all night and didn't catch anything because here's the deal. Once Jesus calls you to follow him, He will let things that you used to enjoy in your life dry up. Things you used to get life from won't give you life anymore because you've had a taste of something better and something higher. Some of you are struggling right now because things are drying up all around you. Things are drying up all around you because God's got a well for you to drink from. I wish I could say it like I felt it. No fish are coming. In the morning, dawn comes and they see a guy out on the shore. And the guy said, y'all catching anything? That's not exactly King James, but he's like, y'all catching anything? Nope, fished all night, hadn't caught anything. Cast your nets down over here. They do it. Multitude of fish comes up. Peter said, whoa, this happened before. And he jumps out of the boat, he said, it's Jesus and he swims to Jesus. Understand he had denied him. He had resigned. I think he jumped out of the boat so he could get there and talk to Jesus before the others caught up. I think he wanted to go work all this out before the other disciples got there. That's just my thought. Jesus got breakfast cooked on the shore because this is a big day. It's the day of Peter's restoration. He resigned three times. He had to be restored three times. Three times, Jesus said, Peter, do you love me? Oh, God, that must have tore Peter up inside. He said, You know, I do, Lord. I really do love you. There's a whole lot behind that. In spite of everything I did, I I think he wanted to say, Lord, I was so stupid. Lord, I left you at your darkest moment. Lord, I failed you completely. I'm destroyed. But all he can say is, Lord, You know, you know what's in my heart. And you know, in spite of all that, I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. He restored him to ministry three times. Set him right back on the path. But here's what's so powerful. The first words Jesus spoke to Peter in the beginning were, follow me. On the beach having breakfast, Jesus made it just as simple as this to Peter. He said, Peter, follow me. It was the solution at the beginning, and it was the solution after he failed. It's as simple as this. Follow me. Over the next three weeks, we're going to talk about three words. Next week, listen. Then we're going to talk about obey and abide. That will be in the next three weeks. Listen, obey, and abide. And then that fourth week is going to be so exciting. The fourth week, we're going to learn how we're going to follow Jesus in some great vision He's put in front of us. I'm going to give you a couple things that God has put on our hearts at Upper Christian Fellowship for the future. We're calling it Vision Day or something like that. We may think of something better than that. I hope so. But uh, (laughs) we're going to have a big day and talk about how we're going to embrace the next season God's got ahead of us, and you're going to be so excited too as we unveil some really beautiful things for the next four weeks. We're going to learn to follow him. Would you pray with me today? Jesus, thank you for today, for the privilege to serve you, to love you, to know you. And Jesus, we ask you today, drive this home in our hearts. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Who here today would say, I'm saying yes to Jesus today? Can I see your hands right now? We won't embarrass anybody. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Anybody else? I can't even see it all. I've seen two hands. You guys probably saw more at the back. Yep. Thank you. Another hand. Thank you so much. How many can say, yes, celebrate. Celebrate big. It's awesome. How many can say this? Pastor, I'm a Christian already. I'm saved. But I'm laying some nets down and following Jesus wholeheartedly from this day forward. Can I see your hands right now? I'm laying them down. Oh, a bunch of hands, a bunch of hands. I'm dropping some nets. I'm just following him from here on out. I'm going to get behind him and go where he goes. And do what he does and says what he says I want you to pray with me now Lord Jesus thank you for loving me for dying for me today I lay down my net I follow you forgive me of my sin come into my heart as my Savior as my Lord as my teacher as my guide I follow you. I won't fret. I stop fretting today. I stop figuring today. And I start following. Thank you, Jesus. It is a new day for you. Courage is rising up within you now. Courage and clarity are going to be the hallmarks of Jesus' people in this day. Courage not to be afraid not to be silent courage to stand up and a clarity word said if the, if the trumpet gives out an uncertain sound nobody will know to rally the church in our day you are going to give out a certain sound of courage and clarity that the nation may rally Around the cause of Christ. That our community may rally around the truth. And this very community we live in is going to be established in a powerful way by the kingdom of God. By the courage and clarity that will come out of God's people. I bless you with that today in Jesus' name. And commission you to go out and make Him known in our community. Amen. Love y'all. Thank you today.